Welcome to Athletes Afterlife with Jeff Murray. Each week I hope to bring you the former athlete the following. Epic interviews with former athletes, topics about the mental health and inner struggles they face, and powerful insight to help expand you into the next and best version of yourself after sports. As a relatively young show still, we want to impact as many people as possible. We can only do that with your help. Give us a follow on Apple and Spotify, rate and review the podcast, and share with at least one person you feel could hear this message, because we all know at least one former athlete making life transitions. Use that power of one, and let's impact this world one person at a time. All right, right on, and right now, let's tackle today's topic. Addiction. It starts with curiosity and can end in wreckage. So many of us suffer from addiction in some way, shape, or form. And for athletes, it is no different. It might be hard to see that because athletes are peak performers. To stay on top of their game, many might think an athlete wouldn't risk taking any substances. Therein lies the hard truth that abuse runs rampant in athletes. Some may not have any sympathy for an athlete. You may be saying, what a hard life being applauded all the time, getting to do something that is a game that they love. I can't believe these people could piss it all away and don't have better control of themselves. Believe me, there are more people than we'd like to think that actually feel this way. Well, sip on this. That is just their inner reflection of how they feel about themselves. And that topic is for a whole nother episode. We can dive into that another time. The fact is, athletes struggle mightily with drugs. Now, I am not going to dive into PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. That is definitely another topic to dive into another episode can get really spicy with that one, but we're going to hold off on that for right now. We're going to be talking about other drugs, specifically three that I'll call out in particular, alcohol, weed, and tobacco. Other drugs like amphetamines and cocaine are practically non-existent. They do, they are taken, but they're not nearly as high as the other three that I just called out. So here's a few stats for you. For college athletes, the percentage of alcohol use in college athletes, student athletes, is just over 85% use or have used alcohol while playing sports. Or maybe not during the game, but in that process, during the season, that type of thing. This is kind of what we're going over today. Weed use is close to 25%. And tobacco use, both smoking and smokeless, is about 35%. Wildly enough, Smokeless tobacco is actually higher in men than actually smoking cigarettes, which is a good thing. I mean, obviously in the sense that cigarettes are starting to have a downturn, but smoking for women is higher than smokeless tobacco, which, you know, typically we don't see a lot of women doing smokeless tobacco, but interestingly enough, even in like ice hockey, 12% of collegiate women athletes were known to have done smokeless tobacco, whether it be dip or chewing tobacco. And actually the highest, you would think baseball for men would be the highest of smokeless tobacco. Interestingly enough, hockey beat out uh, baseball by 2%. Hockey was 49%. Baseball was 47% use smokeless tobacco. So tobacco use for women was considerably lower than the men. However, their alcohol use was a little higher, interestingly enough. And marijuana was a bit higher in men as well. These are all pretty alarming stats. So, and basically the range too, just so you get an understanding, the range of these student athletes that were doing this, about 85% 
like I said, 85% use alcohol. So some of the sports a little bit lower, around 72%, but as high as uh, hockey again for the men in particular, 93%, 93% of men, student athletes, used alcohol during the season. That's a wild, wild stat. Extremely high. So very alarming stats. The opportunity presents itself to go to the next level for an athlete. Say they get drafted, whatever the case may be, and they use and abuse and continue to can further prolong the prospect of addiction forming if it already hasn't formed. So to realize and to understand the depths of what this could possibly look like is just to understand that some of the most successful athletes that we've seen in our time have had struggles with drugs. Now there's, and if there's not drugs, a lot of times there's another addiction that's being formed in the process. Okay, so we deem obviously drugs can be very life altering, not just for themselves, but for the families and uh, for others around them, depending on what they're doing, if they're drinking and driving, if they're, you know, on drugs and they're driving as well. Or other things that can actually unfold in the case of doing drugs because usually you're surrounding yourself with not the right environment, not the right people. But just to get an idea of some of these, the following athletes that were once professional athletes that had problems with drugs, take Michael Phelps, for example. He was smoking weed a lot. Now, you know, there's some ups and downs of weed. I, You know, some people are for it. Some people are against it. Obviously, there's some major benefits to it. Either way, for a lot of people in these cases, it's very much a numbing mechanism. Jennifer Capriotti, famous t- tennis player, she got caught with weed. Dwight Gooden, famous pitcher, uh, Major League Baseball pitcher, cocaine. Daryl Strawberry, famous hitter and, and outfielder in baseball, cocaine and alcohol. Andre Agassi, amphetamines, and even crystal meth. Josh Hamilton, another baseball player, drugs and alcohol. John Daly, famous golfer, alcohol use. The list can go on and on. And again, this is just players that and, and athletes that struggled with drugs. Many we don't even discover were stuck in addiction. You know, these are just some ones that were actually caught, went to rehab, did, you know, this, that, and the other. But many continue and it gets worse once they leave their sport. The best thing for some of these is that they actually did get caught while still playing because it actually forced them to go into rehab, even if they didn't want to, and even though if there was a lot of shame and guilt around that, at least it forced them to go in and start to learn the healing process instead of just coping. And again, this is just drugs. I'm not even touching the surface of other addictive behaviors that we have seen on display. There's like gambling is such a huge one uh, for past athletes. I know Michael Jordan was a huge gambler. Um, both college and pro alike, when it comes to sexual addiction, over-exercising, poor eating habits, and body image issues, these are all topics for another day. But again, these are all addictive personality behaviors that we'll talk about a little bit more as we go into this. This episode is brought to you by Easy Par Golf Greens and Turf, located in the heart of Austin, Texas. You're standing on the 18th green above a 12-footer for par with a one-shot lead at the Masters. You sink it and the crowd roars. Then you hear your wife ask, honey, can you keep an eye on the kids? So the crowd wasn't real, but the amazing putting green in your own backyard with lush turf for the family to play on is real, and that's precisely what Easy Par Golf Greens and Turf can provide, giving you, your kids, and pets a cleaner and more environmentally friendly living space. 
Did you know artificial turf needs no fertilizer or chemicals and is finished with a simple sand and antibacteria infill to eliminate pet odors? No watering is needed and always green and beautiful and an upgrade to any yard. If you're ready to transform your outdoor living space, call or text to 281-685-2155 or DM on Instagram at Easy Par Golf Greens and Turf. That's at E-Z Par Golf Greens and Turf for your free estimates. But the question therein lies, why do so many struggle with addiction in some way, shape, or form? They struggle with addiction, whether it's the drug use that I mentioned above or these other ones I just mentioned. What's what's the reason? Well, there's a multitude of reasons. We hear some of the athletes and former athletes get stuck in the grasp of the addiction. This is some of the reasons why. Family history, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, abandonment, depression, anxiety, PTSD, mental health struggles, the pressure of competition, the pressure to stay on top of their game at all costs, injuries and overprescribed painkillers, the pressure to live up to expectations, to relieve stress, lifestyle factors, denial, sports culture even, just the culture of sports alone, a lot of binge drinking, a lot of binge alcohol use, just because they're going on the go all the time and then when they finally have a chance to relax, they still almost feel like they have to be on the go all the time and there's this adrenaline-seeking junkies and it just goes, goes, goes. And then they crash and then they go back out. It's just their nervous system's so fucked that they're constantly going, going, going and they only know the one speed. So one that not many people discuss is the personality which can stem from generational abuse that they in fact have an addictive personality. That personality, when it comes to sports, can be used to thrive as an athlete, becomes addicted to the sport and training. That's all well and good if you have handled your traumatic past and as to why you grind so hard. That is all well and good if you don't ruin your family dynamic in the process. As most know, drugs provide a temporary numbing for the stress of everyday life and reality Drugs affect our brain pathways that trigger dopamine hits, which is our reward system. Athletes, if not handled properly, can have some of the hardest times handling day-to-day stress. Oftentimes, it is the mental struggles associated with the sport. Sometimes it's an unhealthy environment that can be produced within the sport. Maybe it's a team, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's just, um, it could, you know, I was watching the uh, 30, what was it, the, Netflix documentary about the Gators, Florida Gators, which is my favorite college football team. And it's wild how just the culture of that energy and that environment and the pressure to perform every single day caused Urban Meyer so much stress. Granted, that was it's his choice, but he didn't know any better. It's like one way or the highway. Go, 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 go. He just he burned himself out. That environment, that negative, unhealthy environment of never being enough, never feeling like it's ever enough, literally will cause these addictions, these problems, these issues. Many times, it's the physical toll it takes on the athlete's body. That's probably probably the most. It's just the physical toll, and then because of the physical toll, they're uh, so, you know, prescribed opioids, uh, other painkillers, different things to cope and to calm down and just to numb their body from 
everything that they've been going through. Once an athlete leaves their sport, they are often left to their own devices. And this is one of the biggest problems that we have, not just in college sports when college athletes leave and don't keep going on to the next level, but in pro sports, there's not a lot of systems, if any, in place for these people to thrive afterwards. So if they are actually already on the precipice of addiction, already taking things and constantly utilizing drugs and alcohol and other aspects, then at that point, nobody else is there to help them guide and navigate life afterwards. So if not given the tools, a lot of times they're afraid to ask because you know why? Because it's always about overpowering and overcoming as an athlete. Overpower and overcome. So you always think you can overpower and overcome, but if you're not understanding the depths towards the trauma of the reason for the abuse, you're always going to keep falling back into it. The abuse will continue to get worse, further impacting their life, further impacting their family's life, and the prospects of their future, whatever career, whatever they do in their life moving forward. The continued addiction after sports is often fueled because they are so used to that rush, of that sport, the adrenaline, that seeking of adrenaline in other ways, and oftentimes those other ways become very destructive ways is also fueled by some of the reasons listed above, depression, anxiety, trauma, mental health, etc. all these different ways that people can actually start forming additional addiction problems. Because they don't have that main source of pleasure coming from the sport that they devoted so much time and energy to that really, in essence, distracted their addictive personality into something good, athletes seek other ways to attain it, resulting in more addictive activities. So what can a former athlete do? Below are five steps that you, the former athlete, or if you're someone that is connected, related, friends with a former athlete that you know they might be struggling with things or do know for a fact they're struggling with something, these are five steps that you can talk to them or if you're the one listening, that you can take to start taking back control of your life. First and foremost, you must do it for yourself. You must do it for yourself. You must see the problem exists and want to do something about it. You must feel that pain because when we feel pain, unfortunately, a lot of times when we feel pain, that pain results in us actually taking action. We're very much reactive beings. It's, it's unfortunate that we're not more proactive in these senses, but we're very much reactive beings in the sense that we, once we feel that prescribed pain, and seeing the pain of what it does to ourself, the pain that's causing on the family a lot of times, and just our life in general, we will usually take action. It's hard to force something like this, and it's a strong likelihood that the person will relapse if it's a family member or a friend trying to force them into doing something. They have to find, see the pain, understand why, and really seek it out for themselves and understand this is a change they need to make for themselves first and foremost, so that they can impact their life better and also impact their family's life better. Second, be vulnerable and seek help. You have to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is a strength. Vulnerability is something that is not talked about enough, especially in athletics or even for vets and anybody who's in, been in that high-performance adrenaline energy environment on a consistent basis. Vulnerability is one of the strongest things that you can impart into your life, especially 
if you have an addictive personality. There are plenty of different programs, plenty of therapists, psychotherapists, counselors, coaches, mentors, any of the above, any of these paid aspects, you can go and seek help. They can help you find the root cause and find healthier outlets that are supportive for the life they are living outside of sports. That is something that's so important. So important to find somebody that you can actually go to. And if go if you go to one therapist or a coach or any anything like that or a program that doesn't seem to be resonating with you, go to another one. It's always like seek a second opinion. Just go and find another one. Find one that works for you, one that resonates with you, and dive all in. Third, be consistent. Be consistent in documenting what works and what doesn't work. Be diligent in recognizing what things to do and what things not to do to support you in your journey. It's so important because you can't continue to do the same thing over and over again and get a different result. That's the definition of insanity. It's the same thing with this. You'll think it's not working and you're going to think there's no hope and you're going to keep struggling. Keep documenting things. Knock off the things that don't work and focus on the things that are working and compound that. Fourth, support from family and friends. They need a strong support structure. They need to not feel that they are weak, instead strong for tackling this and tackling this addiction. They need people outside of the paid help that I mentioned above that they're receiving, and they need people that are going to continue to support them in this process and show them how much success they're having, how much progress they've made. It does minimal to no good if they get help from somebody on an outside third-party source and go back into an unhealthy living environment. It literally will negate almost all the progress that they've made. Fifth and finally, a change in environment. Going back to the one right above. If you are around people that aren't supporting you, you need to make a change. I, I can't emphasize that enough. If you are around people that do not support you, you have to make a change. And you know what? It's going to fucking hurt. Because families can be broken up. Friends can be lost. But at the end of the day, this is your body. This is your life. This is your legacy. You need to do this for you. You have to make that change for you. Because once you start making that change for you, the right people will start to circle themselves around you. They will band around you. A new community will form around you. The right community will form around you. And you'll start seeing your life change for the better. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Please, please, please share this with one person you know and ask them to do the same, especially someone that you might know that could hear this message today. This is how we continue to grow. This is how our message grows, and this is how we continue to impact lives. There are former athletes out there, current athletes out there that are struggling with addiction. Share this with them. Share it on your social channels. Share it on your Instagram stories. Let people know we want to make a change, and we can only do that one person at a time. We can only do that with your help. Go out and impact somebody's life today. And as always, it's never goodbye. It's just till next time. Until next time, rock on, y'all.